celebrating the connection with our pets. This is Animal Radio, featuring your dream team, veterinarian Dr. Debbie White and groomer Joey Villani. And here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. Go grab your pet. Bring him around the radio. I think they'll like the show. Because for the next two hours, we're going to celebrate animals, uh, not just the dogs and the cats and the flamingos and the ferrets, but fish, birds, uh, humpback dogs, hippopotamuses. We're going to celebrate all these animals in the next couple of hours. If you have questions about your animals, toll free, 1-866-405-8405. Coming up on the show today, if you've ever wanted to start or open a rescue, an animal rescue, give up your dumb job. And in that cubicle that you hate, selling insurance, we all hate that job. I even hate it. It's not my job. (laughs) But if you want to give it up and start rescuing animals, you better be listening to today's show before you do it, because it's not as easy as you might think. There are certain laws that you need to follow. And we're going to talk to an expert. She's an attorney, and she's an animal advocate, and she's a nonprofit advocate. All three of those together, she's the perfect person to give us information on starting a rescue. And she'll be on the show in about 40 minutes or so. It looks like Dr. Debbie is uh, fond of Moxie. Moxie, the little kitten that she's, <laughs> she's fostering for until Christmas when it's yes, going to be yes. a gift. Mm-hmm. And we yes. all have bets that, of course, she will uh, be a foster failure <laughs> and the cat will come. How's the cat getting along with the dog? You know what? My big dog, I was really very nervous and I, I didn't trust her. I kept on a leash around her at all times because, you know, I'm being the responsible, uh, you know, pet owner. And, um, we finally had a breakthrough moment and, um, she loves the kitten. Once she figured out she can't chase it and that was, you know, she was corrected for running after the cat. She's now, she'll, plop down low on the ground, crawl like on a belly crawl and get down on the kitty's level and just play in the most tender ways. So I am surprised. I really am that she could be such a gentle giant, really. How much does, (laughs) how much does Nikki weigh? Uh, she was 80 pounds. Wow. And, uh, this little thing is two pounds right now. I mean, that's so cute. <laughs> so, yeah, she's like, her whole body is about the diameter of Nikki's one furry paw. So it's just kind of like, boom, just big things. So, um, you know, honestly, I'm quite cautious. I'm, I'm still very, uh, you know, careful watching and supervising all interactions, but it is just so much fun. And I will have to send you video because it is just, uh, it's just one of those things. It's like watching cat videos. You just smile when you watch these two play. Oh, kittens are the best. Yeah, oh. yeah. So Nikki loves the kitten, Moxie. And my other dog, um, the kitten loves him, but he's not so cool on it. So no, but she loves running up to my other little dog and like palling next to him, like, hey, I'm right here. And he's like, get away from me. <laughs> <laughs> well, this kitten's going to grow up with no fear of dogs. That's great. Let's hope so. <laughs> uh, if you want to talk to Dr. Debbie right now, toll free 1-866-405-8405. In fact, the, the lines are all stacked up here. And let's just start with line one. We have Mike. Hi, Mike. How are you? Good. How are you doing today? Good. What's uh, what's going on with you? Well, you know, after leaving California and all the sunny weather, moved to Colorado, you know, had a house, you know, the driveway, the stairs, the sidewalks, all that stuff with the snow. We moved up to Custer. We don't have that problem up here where we're living at, but I have two decks. Now, one time in uh, Colorado, Instead of getting out and shoveling off the steps at the front door, I decided to use the salt to, you know, melt the ice. Okay, yeah. Uh, You know, I threw it all out on it, and a little later, my dogs wanted to go outside, and so we left them out front. 
they probably weren't out there 20 to 30 seconds and basically were screaming in pain. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, up here, like I said, I don't have the sidewalks and stuff, but my front deck doesn't quite get the sun that the back does. It melts pretty quick out back, and I wanted to use the salt out front because it ices over. But mm-hmm. I don't put my dogs in pain again. Gosh, no, yeah. And, you know, that's a great question because when we deal with, you know, snow, ice, and, you know, there's a human safety thing. So you got to do something to help ensure that, you know, people can tread safely in those areas. But, you know, a lot of these types of de-icers can be a danger to pets. And there's a couple ways that is. Um, some can be directly irritating to the skin. And that sounds like what you, you've experienced. And then there's others that, you know, if the, if the dog ingests it, it can actually pose potentially a toxic event for them, causing a whole host of different th- signs. So, you know, there are a lot of, the problem is a lot of the de-icing products, you'll find they'll say, oh, safe for pets, blah, blah, blah. Well, there really isn't a lot of regulation that can uh, stand behind that. So, you know, you really have to kind of know what you're getting and kind of be cautious because there's all sorts of different de-icers. There's different ones that are calcium, uh, calcium carbonate, um, different types of chlorides. So there's potassium chloride, magnesium chloride, sodium chloride. And of those, I have to say that the ones that I hear the biggest problems with are the calcium chloride products. So they tend to be the most irritating to the skin um, and also you know, potentially the more toxic if they ingest that. So that's one thing to look for is, is what's actually in your de-icer. Um, there's also de-icers that are um, made out of urea, um, and urea is basically a you know a compound that comes from the breakdown of protein. Um, from what I understand, and my folks in the <laughs> snow area say that it's not always the best product, but it is less toxic to animals. From there, there's whole, all the sorts of things you can do to help your pet if they have to tread in those kind of environments. And sometimes you can't eliminate these products completely. It's just you know we live in the world we do with snow and ice. Um, so there's booties, dog booties. You can certainly use those. Um, but a lot of times just water, plain old, you know, irrigating the area. So damp, damp paw wiping down after they've been out in an area where there's a lot of salt or if they've been out for, uh, walking. Um, cause these products, you know, they're, what you had where your dogs were actually like screaming saying, ow, this hurts. That's a very profound, um, type, uh, response. But even milder exposures, you know, we can get dryness of the skin, um, and that with time will cause more cracking, irritation, um, and more just chronic dermatitis to that area. So cleaning, you know, with a damp wash rag or even rinsing the paws would be a way to kind of get around that. And I know some people will put a little bit of petroleum jelly or, or even I've heard Pam spray on the bottoms of the feet to kind of help give a little barrier before the the dogs go out in the area to, you know, kind of get into these things. Okay. Um, so, but yeah, I, I would definitely say, you know, look at your bag of what you do have. And my guess it's probably one of the more irritating salts um, that are just going to be a no-go in your situation there. Okay. Yeah. Well, thank you very much. Stay right. warm, Mike. Toll free 1-866-405-8405 to reach out to the Dream Team. And uh, don't forget, you can also ask your questions from the free Animal Radio app for iPhone, Android, and BlackBerry. And this portion of Animal Radio is underwritten by VetraScience. Just like their owners, our pets get older. You know what happens. Your joints stiffen up. Jumping for joy. I'll tell you, I haven't been able to jump for joy recently like I used to. Too bad I don't have the human version of Glycoflex hip and joint supplements from VetraScience. They help support joint health in your pet. And we thank them for underwriting Animal Radio. Hey, Karen. Hello. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? Good. Where are you? 
Uh, right outside Chicago, Illinois, Chica in Glen Ellen. Chicago. Okay. Well, what's going on with your pets? I have Dr. Debbie right here, and I understand you need to talk to her. I have about, um, he's about 11 years old. He's adopted, so I don't know exactly. And um, he's got arthritis in his back end, and therefore it's real hard for him to maintain um, muscle. So I'm wondering mm-hmm. if there's a way that I can, either through exercise or some type of diet, build muscle or at least maintain what he has because so it doesn't atrophy. Exactly. And that's the active word right there. So I'm so glad you said that, Karen. Um, when our pets have chronic pain, arthritis, it causes them to not use their muscles in the full range of motion, and that re- results in disuse atrophy. So the legs get skinnier, and then as a consequence of that, they get less strong. So pets may be unsteady, they may be wobbly, and they may not be as sure-footed. So that's kind of all that cascade of effect. And the basic problem is, arthritic pain there. So the most important thing is that we address the pain on many different levels. So that might be a combination of using joint supplements, might be non-steroidal pain medication um, that we might have prescribed by your veterinarian, and we might use like other pain medicines. There's a great one called Tramadol that we use a lot for older pets um, as another way of attacking their pain. Is that pill form or is it with a shot? Tram- That's a Tramadol, pill form. You called it? Tramadol, yeah, and we can use that along with a lot of these other medicines to kind of complement them. So there's never just one product that I typically put my older pets with osteoarthritis on. I will use a multi-modal approach to this, so we try different things. And then some pets, once we get all that on board, then we can really work on some soft exercise very short leash leash walks. If we have a pool, swimming is a great muscle builder. It doesn't bear any weights on the joints and allows them to use their legs. So we want to make sure a pet is not going to be more uncomfortable um, in many areas and some big metro metro metropolitan <laughs> big cities. Um, <laughs> we have areas that have um, pet physical therapy departments. Another option kind of in this multiple ways of hitting things is um, there's a medicine called Adequan. And it's oh, he's another type. Before. He has been on that. Uh-huh. Did that help? It really it really helped him tremendously, but it's, it's very expensive. So we kind of did it sparingly. Yeah, and, and that's the downside. It's an injectable form that helps to kind of rebuild the cartilage um, and help keep that joint as healthy as possible. And a lot of pets can really benefit from it, but it's because of the cost. Sometimes it's not the first thing that we'll jump to. But for a lot of pets that we've tried everything else in the world, it can really be um, very helpful for these guys. So Great. And what, what should you be sleeping on? Should you be sleeping on special bedding? Yes, absolutely. For older pets, pets that have arthritic issues, I would definitely go for some nice padded bedding make sure that we're not sleeping on hard floors and we want to try to make sure that they're off cool areas Um, a lot of times they're drawn to that but we want to make sure they're not close to chills and things like that so yes nice soft petted orthopedic bedding is the way to go so yes thank you for bringing up those wonderful points and for our senior pets out there there's a lot we can do so definitely work with your veterinarian find the right plan for your pet okay go give your senior pet a big old hug from all of us here at animal Radio. I appreciate your call. 
I will. Thanks for your help. one 405 8405 to reach out to Dr. Debbie. This portion of Animal Radio is underwritten by VetraScience. Give your pets the extra support they need. From Glycoflex joint support to composure for pet stress, VetraScience has the supplements for all of your pet's needs. Thanks, VetraScience, for underwriting Animal Radio. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at one 405 8405 Those big, scary storms can be terrifying for your pet. And we know that when they're stressed, so are you. Take good care of your buddy with VetraScience Composure. VetraScience Composure helps ease anxiety for pets caused by storms, travel, and owner separation. It won't sedate them, and your pets will love the taste. Also, try our Glycoflex for hip and joint health, as well as multivitamins and probiotics. Find VetraScience supplements at your local pet store, Petco, or your vet. Learn more at VetraScience.com. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. In just a few minutes, we're going to talk to Edward Myers from Ripley's Believe It or Not. Once again, he has selected for us... Well, at least a dozen animals that are just a little off the norm. They uh, either have two noses or they're weird color or one thing or another. And uh, we'll give away the book. This is, makes a great Hanukkah gift, a great Christmas gift for your animal lover. Isn't that the right color, too, for Hanukkah? It is. Blue blue and white yes. is a, a Hanukkah color. Is that? Yes, so it's got Hanukkah colors on it. And speaking of holiday gifts, you're putting together your list of picks for my, this year. You yes. do this every year. You uh, test out items. Well, you lucky dog. You my get holiday test. picks? And it appears that you have silly putty there. What is that I, in your hand? Well, you know, as you mentioned, our pets are getting older. And I saw this product, and this is a product that I will have for my lifetime. Even after my animal passes away, I thought this was really oh, it's unique. like a keepsake? Yeah, a little keepsake. And what, what I'm holding is putty. Actually, it's an imprint of my dog's nose. Now, I got a kit that sent me two little pieces of putty that I mixed together, and before it hardened, I made an imprint of my dog's nose. Yeah, you just <laughs> smashed this against yeah, her I nose? Just, yeah, she wasn't real happy with it, but it only just took a second. And the kit is from Precious Metal Prints. Oh. Now, what they will do is I send this back to them, and they will make an imprint, either silver or gold, out of her little nose oh, her that nose I print. can make a necklace out of. Oh, wow. And I can wear a little imprint of her nose. And this I will have forever. I just think it's so unique. I'll have it, you know, this necklace will be mine and mine alone. No one will have one just like it. And it'll mean something to me because it's actually made of her nose. So you have a mold there. So I have a mold. And the mold has her nose in. So you have to send that mold in? I have to in? send it back. Yes. You get mailed the kit. Okay. And then you do, you mix it together. You make the print. And then you send it back to them. And then they will send you the finished product. How much does this set you back? Again, it's called Precious Metal Prints. You know, I'm not sure of the price. You might want to check that out. Yeah, thank you, Hal. But if it's the right gift, then doesn't it? Does it matter? It's it's priceless. Yes. $79.99 for silver and $109.99 for gold. I think that's cool. Yeah, it is. Because finding a unique gift. I know when we lost uh, Lucy on Sunday this year, finding, I, I really wanted, uh, I call it a jewelry urn or, you know, something. Yeah. I wanted something that I could, I guess they call it, uh, what, cremains jewelry or oh, something. Oh, yeah, I've heard but, about that. Yeah, I wanted something like that, that I could have a piece of them with me. And there's, you know, bazillions of them out there. 
So that would be a great gift to really, I mean, you would already have something of theirs that's forever. Yeah, yeah I will have this for a lifetime. And it's like uh, what you were just talking about, Lori, is the uh, the rings that are, they make diamonds out of the ashes? That's amazing, too. But it, gosh, where would you even begin? Judy, that's your department. Look it up. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the precious metal prints, uh, you can find them online. In fact, all of these picks that Judy has through the next few weeks, all available over at animalradio.pet. Okay, I'm looking. I'm looking at the diamonds, and um, I I just don't know. I mean, some people whip out their phones and look things up all the time. I'm like, we're we're slow here. You need a twenty year old there. <laughs> okay, well, I know you're right. Can you send one over? Okay. <laughs> that sounds a little creepy. I know that was kind of. I didn't mean it like that. I really meant tall, blonde, and yeah, yeah, studly, right? Add some few requirements. Hello, Animal Radians. It's Robert Semro, your Pet World Insider, here with this week's Animal Radio List. Five holiday traditions that can land you and your pet on the naughty list. The holidays are a busy and sometimes chaotic season. We all want it to be the best season ever, and it can be. But keep in mind some of your holiday traditions can put your pets at risk. Here are some helpful reminders for pet parents. Decking the halls with boughs of holly can be very dangerous for our pets so you may want to skip that tradition altogether and just stick to the jingle bells. Mistletoe and holly are a holiday tradition, but if ingested by dogs and cats, these can cause some severe issues. So make sure that if you're going to use them, you do so with care and vigilance. Christmas trees are a holiday tradition for most of us, and I know that brings with it several things that reasonable pet parents must take into consideration. Let's start at the bottom. That's right, the water reservoir is so tempting for our pets. The problem is that the water can contain bacteria, chemical additives, and other preservatives used to keep the tree fresher longer, but they can cause problems for our pets. One simple solution may be to put a small amount of chicken wire or screen over the opening of the water basin. This allows you to check it and fill the water, but keeps your pets safe. Ornaments make the Christmas tree something beautiful and warm. Unfortunately for our pets, this can be seen as a new playground for them to explore and play with. So be sure to have an ever-watchful eye on the ornaments, and keep ornaments off the lower and easier-to-reach branches. Also, if you have glass ornaments, keep them in the curio as they are far too dangerous and not worth the risk to your pets. Speaking of dazzling Christmas trees, I can't forget the Christmas lights. These blinking and flashing lights and lasers, all that stuff, adds beauty to the tree and raises the curiosity level, especially for cats. So again, be sure to keep those off easier to reach branches. And as always, watch and see how your pets react to these new introductions to their environments. They're going to be curious. The bigger concern is where and what that curiosity leads to. And if you see them engaging the tree to get at the decorations, you're going to need to redirect them and make sure that they know and understand that they cannot touch the tree. Remember the mantra, we look with our eyes, not with our mouths and paws. Finally, holiday foods and get-togethers are what the season is made for. But this too can be extremely dangerous for your pets. Make sure your guests know they are not to share their food and beverages with your pets. And also, make sure your pets have a safe place to retreat to so that they're not overwhelmed or overstressed. Let's not find our pets on the naughty list or find ourselves at the vet's office for something avoidable this holiday season. Share your holiday safety suggestions on our Animal Radio Facebook page.
We can't tell you why canine caviar is the only alkaline-based dog food, but we can tell you alkaline is proven to minimize the risk of renal failure and pancreatitis, reduce scratching, cellular degeneration, and disease, keeping your furry friend youthful and healthy longer. And those are the reasons we can fit into this short commercial. But by visiting caninecaviar.com, you'll see exactly what we do to make a better food for your dog. Try the one and only alkaline dog food risk-free. Canine Caviar. This is an Animal Radio News Update. I'm Lori Brooks. Hey, do you remember the stories we told you about when pets, most of them were dogs, uh, that were killed when they accidentally tripped a cyanide bomb, that's what they call it, that is used by the government to kill nuisance animals like coyotes? Well, finally, we have some action to report on that. Now the federal government says it will suspend the use of the so-called cyanide bombs to kill wild animals on public lands in Colorado for now. Uh, this latest deal is the second of its kind in less than a week after controversies about the Wildlife Service's use of M44s, also known as cyanide bombs. These spring-loaded devices put off a sodium cyanide, and they're blamed for accidentally killing pet dogs in Idaho, Wyoming, and Colorado, too. Well, animal control officers were recently summoned to a Redding, Pennsylvania neighborhood after a report of a wild animal running loose. If you've listened to the show for long here, you know that these wild animals are not usually what the caller says they are. But so what was thought to be a cheetah ended up to be an exotic cat. A very different one, though, was an African female serval. Uh, And servals are illegal to own unless you have a special license in police looked everything up, and no one in their county held a license to own a serval. Police say that this big cat was declawed, so it was likely an escaped illegal pet that was being used for breeding because of this twist. You see, owning a serval is against the law. However, if you take a female serval and you cross it with a domestic cat, those kittens will be what's called a savanna cat which are legal to own without any special license at all. And those Savannah kittens are worth about 10 grand each. So surely somebody is missing their illegal serval cat today. That poor rescue cat was headed for a pretty miserable life being used as a breeder. But now she's going to be cared for by a rescue group that specializes in caring just for big cats. And uh, she'll also be used for education and community outreach programs that teach the dangers of exotic cats as pets. Well, so what's new on the pet care horizon? You know, Joey's always into the latest grooming products. I always want to know about pet care. What can I I give my pet that's going to take care of this and that and help them and all of this? Well, I can tell you now about the five finalists for this year's Pet Care Innovation Awards, and they have just been announced. They include the Fetch My Pet Pet Life Management app, the... um, Animal Biome, a company which is, uh, uh, they produce a microbiome-based pet health diagnostic and supplements as well because they're helping pets that have gastrointestinal problems, so they're, they can be pretty tricky to diagnose, so they're helping a lot there. Another company that's been nominated is the Bear It All Pet Food Company, and what they do is they use the uh, invasive Asian carp fish as a primary protein source in their pet food. So 
It's, you know, making high protein food for animals, but it's also taking these uh, Asian carp out of our waterways. Uh, Barkley is another company that's been nominated for their personalized dog walking app. Miss Judy, I imagine you know about them. Of course. And uh, Pupjoy is the fifth one. They're makers of customizable subscription boxes for dogs, you know, the kind that you get every week or every month or whatever, and your your pet's really happy to get them. I, I don't think I could afford one of those. I don't know what their prices are, but it just seems kind of like, uh, I don't know, it seems like you have to have a lot of disposable income to get one of those. I think they run about, they have different sizes. I don't know if they have some from like 20 up to like $50 a month. Uh, just what I need on top of my Verizon and Comcast and everything else, <laughs> bill, monthly bill. The competition, this competition for the Pet Care Innovation Awards, is open to companies that focus on key areas of dog and cat needs, their care and uh, things like that, including pet food, nutrition, care, play, and technology. This year, more than 85 companies from nine different countries applied for the honor. The winner is going to be announced in March. I'm Lori Brooks. Get more breaking animal news anytime at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at AnimalRadio.com. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. Well, it's Animal Radio. Celebrating the connection... With our pets, animals of all sizes, some with multiple noses or conjoined twins. How some, cool. Some that might be hunchback or bald. We love them. Any way you cut them. And you might find some of these animals in Ripley's Believe It or Not. Shatter Your Senses, the new book. And every year we get this book and we get to give it away. It's so cool. And it's a 3D book on the cover again this year. I look forward to it every year. I'm going to hold it up to the microphone so listeners can see this cool 3D thing. That's awesome. Eyeball. Isn't that? (laughs) And every year we have Edward Meyer joining us. Hi, Edward. How are you doing? Pretty good. Thank you. Thank you for having us back on again. You know what? Radio never does this book justice, unfortunately. (laughs) Uh, But uh, But bright Bright blue foil. Yes. You cannot miss it in the bookstore. No. I guarantee it'll be the first one that jumps off the shelf at you. And Literally. Roughly 1,600 stories in the book. It's yes. an oversized coffee table format, 256 pages plus indexes, 600 photographs. So 200 Holy pictures, moly. two pictures per page, all new content. The day we finish a book, you know, put it out on the market, we start the next one like a day later. Sure, it takes a long time. It's a full one-year job for about 10 different people work on it from start to finish. Now, I'm looking at page 120, and I'm finding this two-nosed dog, which, you know, from from the – I mean, it could be Photoshopped, as far as I can tell from the, the picture there. But well, you go out, be, you verify. But in this case, I've actually seen the real animal. He's That's your alive job. Alive and well in Venice, California, and you go pet him if you want. And his name's Toby. Now the book has—I uh, I can't even remember to be uh, apologize—roughly ten chapters. The animal chapter is pages ninety-two to one thirty-one. So you know, almost forty pages of really cool animal stories. And, you know, the two-nosed dog is, is one of everybody's favorite because it's a cute dog, but there, there's some other really good stories in here, too. What, what other animal stories come to mind for you? 
My favorite out and out is always albinos. Uh, and we've got a two-page spread, 110 and 111. And Ripley's owns an albino lioness, like you see on the bottom there. We own an albino moose, which uh, we are on a fishing trip. And we went to a, a tiny little bar in very high northern Ontario, and they had the taxidermied albino moose in the bar. Now, they didn't believe us. They didn't know us from Adam, but we really wanted to buy this moose, and they thought we were joking. And we were so desperate to buy this thing, we actually offered to buy the whole bar. And, and the bartender just was laughing at us, and he just didn't take us serious. Well, I left the guy my, my business card. About five years later, I got a phone call from Cochrane, Ontario, and I picked up that phone, and he said, you know, I'm so-and-so calling from Cochrane, Ontario. Do you know who I am? And I says, well, I've only ever been in Cochrane, Ontario once, and I only gave my business card to one person. You must be the guy that owns the albino moose. And he says, yep, that's me. And so we bought the albino moose without having to buy the whole bar. <laughs> and it is and that would have been nice, too, though. It is like the most amazing thing to me. This is a full-size bull moose with the big antlers, the whole bit. I just can't fathom, four years old, how it was alive and not being killed either by predators or mainly by hunters because it sure couldn't hide very well. But wow. a phenomenal big, huge animal and uh, very, very cool. And, you know, we have an albino uh, beaver, an albino squirrel, an albino gopher, uh, five or six, a lion, an alligator. Albino alligator is kind of cool, but that moose does it for me. Sure, sure. Wow. So I'm looking over here on page 126 here. Hold that up to the mic. And we have a, <laughs> a picture of a bird in uh, slippers or flip-flops. I want to know about this one because I like the live animals. I, I don't really care for all those stuffed yeah. ones. Yeah. But what is up with so this, this bird? This guy's got a, a toe problem. Uh, and the, they refer to it as knuckling. The, the toes are growing, I guess, what I would call pigeon-toed. I guess there's a reason maybe they call it pigeon-toed. They're turning into each other. And a, a vet has designed little flip-flop-type sandals uh, for this bird to wear, and it's a mockingbird, uh, in order for it to be able to walk a little better than it could with its natural feet. But it's a cute picture. It, it literally looks like, you know, little pieces of cardboard taped to its feet, but uh, it helped the bird, uh, you know, get around. That looks like something you would do, Dr. Debbie. <laughs> I, I know. I, I wish I would have been the one. Now I've put, like, little, we put little ball bandages on little budgie feet so that they can kind of grasp on something. So kind of similar, but I haven't used the flip-flop style. So I may have to break that out next spring. If you want to pick up a copy, one of the five copies we have to give away right now, toll-free at 1-866-405-8405. If you're not lucky enough to get on through, this makes a great Christmas or Hanukkah gift. It's the Ripley's Believe It or Not, Shatter Your Senses book. Edward, thanks so much for coming on. We look forward to speaking to you next year. Okay, well, thank you. And uh, the book is called Shatter Your Senses. Ripley's.com, Amazon.com, or wherever fine books are sold. I will put links to everything you've heard on today's show over at AnimalRadio.pet. We're going to head back to the phones for your calls next. Admit it. You love your dog, and he is part of the family. So when choosing your next vacation, don't forget Fido. With just a little planning, the entire family can enjoy a road trip. To find the best vacation spot for Spot, subscribe to Fido Friendly. 
the travel and lifestyle magazine for you and your dog, where each issue includes hotel and destination reviews, where both you and Fido are welcome. Go online to FidoFriendly.com and find out what all the barking's about. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. It's Animal Radio. And Dr. Debbie's always making a joke about how veterinarians always have animals of their own that are like missing a leg or a tail or some part because they're patients and ultimately you end up taking them home. Is that what happens? Yeah, usually there's someone, you know, either can't care for them or we get a stray that has a lot of injuries and we just nurse them along and then decide that they move into our house forever. (laughs) Well, you know, about 20 years ago, maybe even less, when a dog was missing a leg or any animal missing an appendage, they pretty much had to go without And now, with 3D printing technology, the experts are able to make prosthetic legs for dogs that might be missing a leg or a tail or even an alligator that's missing its tail. Yeah. They can do beaks for birds. They can do anything. It's unbelievable. You're going to love this book. I'm going to give you a copy here. Check this out. It's called Unstoppable. And it's a very easy to read. It's for me, I like easy to read books lots with lots of pictures. Of pictures. <laughs> it is true stories of amazing bionic animals. And I'm sorting through it right now. And there's uh, everything from horses, cows. Check out this cow right here. I know. It's got uh, a prosthetic two front legs. And not only do I think it's amazing, but I think the owners or the guardians of these animals are even more amazing because they they didn't put the, their animal down. They didn't write their animal off. They went to uh, get help and get the prosthetics that are needed to have them lead a, a fairly normal life. And a lot of times these animals don't even know that something is wrong. And we have the author of this book, Unstoppable. I'll have giveaways in just a couple of minutes. The author, Nancy Furstinger, is joining us. Hi, Nancy. How are you? Hi, terrific. How are you? Furstinger, that's, is that an Italian? Um, no, it's actually Hungarian. Hungarian. I love yes. it. I lo- and you pronounced it correctly. Thank you. <laughs> Which is amazing because I screw up everybody's name. <laughs> I love the book, and I'm going to hold it up to the microphone so listeners can see some of these pictures here. I, di- I didn't realize it was so prevalent, these uh, prosthetic legs. Um, this book couldn't have been written uh, several years ago because we didn't have these pioneering interventions that animals are... Uh, maneuvering around these days with everything from uh, orthotic and prosthetics to specially designed wheelchairs and the prosthetics, not just legs, which are predominantly in the book, but also tails, fins, flippers, and even beaks. So it's it's really a, a medical miracle. Tails. Now, that's an interesting one. I wouldn't think that an animal would need, uh, need their tail. What kind of animal was it? Um, actually, there were two. There's a sidebar on Winter the Dolphin, who lost a tail in a crab trap. And then there's a really incredible story that I read to uh, schools when I go do visits with this book about Mr. Stubbs, who is an alligator. An alligator? Yes, an alligator. Um he has a three-foot silicone tail that weighs about 35 pounds, and he was on a truck with 31 other alligators, and they were bound for the illegal pet trade in Arizona, and a bigger, hung- hungrier gator bit off Mr. Stubbs' tail, mm. and 
Um, tails are vital appendages for alligators. Without a tail, they can't maneuver around properly, and they're in danger of drowning. So he um, has this enormous prosthetic tail, which is absolutely incredible. And kids are really fascinated because the way they made the tail, they used different um, techniques from the movies. First, they put reflective dots all over his body, and they used that to track his movements. Um, like you would for a 3D special effects movie. Uh-huh. And then they made a mold of his rear um, using this flexible silicone called body double, which is something that movies use to create masks. And finally, they found a matching donor tail using a alligator carcass, and they took a mold of the tail using another um type of movie magic called dragon skin which they use to create zombie makeup so kids are just really fascinated by this well i'm fascinated too i guess the question begs to be asked who pays for an alligator's tail to be uh, to go through this whole process of fabrication all this has got to be pretty expensive it is he is in the phoenix herpetological society so people have donated toward this but Alligators grow and continue to grow for 85-year lifespan, and he'll need probably around 20 tails, so each one costs around $6,000. Wow. So they're going to have to really <laughs> ask for some hefty donations throughout his life. Do you think these animals know that something's wrong? No, um, I don't think so. Um, the reason uh, behind this book is because I belong to a variety of different animal organizations, and I write primarily books about animals, which are my passion. And I adopted a three-legged Flemish giant rabbit, which is an extremely large breed. And this was before rabbits had um, wheel carts or any kind of prosthesis. But she maneuvered around just perfectly. Um, She didn't let her uh, physical um, disability get in the way of, you know, expressing her joy and running around the house. So I think most of these animals, of course, they're, you know, glad to be more mobile with all of these innovations. Hmm. Us humans could take a lesson or take a note (laughs) from that, huh? Exactly. Okay, I have 10 copies of this fabulous book, a very inspirational book, Unstoppable, The True Stories of Amazing Bionic Animals. Nancy Firstinger, the author. If you call right now, toll free, 1-866-405-8405. I will give you a copy. If you're not lucky enough to get on through, head on over to Amazon or your favorite bookstore and ask for Unstoppable. Nancy, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. It was my pleasure. Nature at its best is nature at its simplest. At Red Barn, we've kept it simple for 20 years by concentrating on single-ingredient natural dog treats. Because Mother Nature's actually pretty good at this. Bones are just tasty bones. Meat treats are just nourishing meat. It's nature at its simplest. Look at the label. We want you to. Red Barn Natural Treats. Simply the best. Find it in your local pet specialty store. Try our slow-roasted natural meaty bones. Celebrating the connection with our pets, this is Animal Radio. 
featuring your dream team, veterinarian Dr. Debbie White and groomer Joey Villani. And here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. Well, during the break there, I uh, just went to the bathroom, which is probably more information that you need to know. But (laughs) while I was in the bathroom, I noticed that we have a scale in there, which is very strange for any business to have a scale in the bathroom. I, uh, of course, I hopped on it. I'm very delighted to say that I've lost a couple of pounds this last week, which is great because I've been putting it on. How can you do that at the holidays? Well, that's what I'm saying is it's about to be over. I'm just I'm soaking it in right now. Those two pounds lost because I will gain 10 pounds in the next week. With uh, well, just this weekend alone, with all the uh, great food and the pies, and the cheesecake, the leftover and turkey. Oh yeah, uh, sandwiches. For okay, days. now you got to remember. I know you're going to be enjoying your leftovers, but you really need to be careful with your pets. How's that? Um, because, well, a lot of times people will share their Thanksgiving meal and the leftovers with their pets, and the same kind of safety things apply for pets. You know. Um, Spicy foods, rich foods, fatty foods um, can really cause a lot of digestive upset. And I'll tell you, this time of year, all I see are vomiting pets, diarrhea, um, because it's the number one reason that people take their pets to the vet around Thanksgiving um, is because we feed things to them that make them sick. Yeah. Well, well <laughs> they, what about that uh, dark meat that we don't usually eat ourselves? Can't we just give that to the cats and the dogs? Well, you know, the dark meat, the skin, the bones, all of those are going to be a little bit more risky than if we stick to plain old white breast meat. Oh. Um, that's going to be the, the safest, the lowest fat, and the least likely to cause digestive upset. So, you know, as a veterinarian, I have to say don't share your holiday treats with pets, but we know that about 60% of pet owners do share some part of their holiday feast with their pets. So be smart. Avoid the gravies. Nothing rich, nothing, none of the sauces, and leave the bones and the leftovers, you know, aside when they get too old. Four days is my rule. If it's in my refrigerator at four days, I won't eat it. So don't feed those things to your pets or they will be sick, sick, sick. Uh, so I got to throw out that uh, head of lettuce, which is now looking like a, a lime. That's been well, that's a whole different yeah. thing. I don't know. I don't know. But I can tell you, I have a dog right now in the hospital that has pancreatitis oh. from eating smoked turkey. Um, it's not even that it was bad turkey. It was just different from what this dog normally eats. And she's horribly ill. Four days, vomiting, diarrhea, not eating, blood coming out of her backside. So she's really in bad shape. And this actually can be life-threatening. So things like pancreatitis can be triggered when we feed these yummy leftovers that we enjoy during the holidays. So be careful. What leads to pancreatitis besides well, feeding table scraps? Yes. Sometimes it can happen without any dietary cause. And we do see this a lot in breeds like the um, uh, Schnauzer, which are actually prone to pancreatitis. But usually, yeah, it can be um, due to a, a rich meal, a fatty meal. But it can actually just be something different that the pet doesn't normally eat can trigger pancreatitis. So it doesn't have to be, you know, just something that we just think one sounds time, really rich. You know how- you know how people say, uh, just today. So, I mean, really, one time can do that? Yeah, you know, and I've had people say, you know, I fed my dog table scraps their whole life. I've never had a problem. Well, good for you and good for your pet, but, you know, this may be the time you do have that problem. So um, you just have to know what you're doing and know that there is a risk with that. And, uh, you know, our pets don't, they thrive on a consistent, steady diet. When we switch things up and add in things, it actually will trigger digestive upset. So You hear people saying, I feed it to them all the time, or I give them jerky all the time. Nothing's ever happened. Mm-hmm. It's like I'm driving a car with a blindfold on. Nothing's ever happened. Well, eventually something is going to happen, and then you got to yeah. be very careful with that. Or you have the ones that say, I just gave them a little piece. Yeah, or, or the bones. <laughs> you know, I've had my dog bones their whole life and never had a problem. So I can tell you I'm, I'm going to be so tired of pets with vomiting and diarrhea. Um, we'll probably have a, a couple bone-foreign bodies that are going to be coming along the way. Um, so 
we see the full gamut of this around the holidays, as vets do everywhere across the country. And no bones are good. I mean, no bones. No bones, no bones are bones. safe. No bones are really safe. And there, you know, there's always that risk that it's going to cause um, damage to the teeth. Um, really hard, you know, the butcher's bones. Um, a lot of times, dogs will chew on those things and crack their teeth. Um, but then there's the shards that'll get caught in the digestive tract, or just I had uh, last week a dog that chewed on a bone and chewed it up really fine, and they thought they did a good thing because it chewed it up really well. But boy, when those bones passed out her backside, she was in excruciating pain. We had to have her an IV um, hydro morphine, which is like morphine, um, just to get her through uh, a 24-hour period because she was in so much pain. So it was really bad. Okay, so don't be one of the statistics. Don't show up in Dr. Debbie's office on Monday morning. Yeah, and you know what? And throw those bones away. Make sure they're secured in the trash. Uh, yes. You know, they, if you leave it out on the counter, your dog will get it. You know, I walked dogs. I walked dogs in my neighborhood, and there was some tall grass. My dog, one of the dogs I walked, went into the grass because he smelled it, obviously, and came up with a turkey neck bone somebody had thrown in their front yard. And it's like, oh, my gosh. I was able to get it away from him, but throw them in the mm. trash. Jeez. Yeah. yeah make we sure. What I do sometime in the next couple of days, I'm going to write up my my signs, and, and sometimes I actually save them. The do not feed the dogs signs, and and, and I'm pretty militant about it. Um, nobody's ever crossed me, but I mean, at least they know you know that you care. Where do you and, put you these? Know, if they get, I I tape them on on every door in the house. <laughs> <laughs> doors going in and out, doors to bedrooms, doors to bathrooms. If there's a door, there's a sign on it. Well, but you, you know why? Because I used to have cats, too. So I would say, do not let the cats out. <laughs> You're rough on those guests, aren't she you? I, 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 am. I don't have a lot of guests. And now I know why, right? <laughs> Now, let's answer your questions toll-free at 1-866-405-8405. We are about oh, 20 minutes away from a check uh, with the Animal Radio Newsroom and Miss Lori Brooks. What kind of stories are we looking for this hour? I don't know. Dr. Debbie, have you ever had to microchip an emu? Uh, we do parrots. We do tortoises. And we do potbelly pigs. But um, not an emu. <laughs> <laughs> There's a, a state right now that has two different cases very close together of emus that are lost. Uh, and they are amazing, huge birds. We'll, we'll tell you the latest on these stories. One of the guys has really been a big uh, sensation on social media. Maybe so. the two emus ran away together. Nah, mm. It could be. I mean, there are two males, and that happens, but um, I think. I don't know. There's <laughs> nothing wrong with that. Why not in birds? Yeah, absolutely nothing wrong with that. Uh, that's right, Hal. Like a male emu, that's perfectly fine. Okay, uh, let's go to the phones. Please, save us. Well, hello, Sammy. Hi, how are you? Doing good. How are you doing? I'm all right. Where are you? Uh, Severna Park, Maryland. I love Maryland. Maryland is just a beautiful place. Just a beautiful place. I've got Dr. Debbie right here. She can help you with uh, whatever ills your pet. Okay. Well, hi. Hi, how are you? I'm doing wonderful. What can we do for you today? Well, I have three cats, and I applied Frontline to each one about a week ago. And okay. the fleas are worse. Now, I had the front line around for a while because I haven't had to use it in about three years. Didn't have any problems with fleas. And okay. I'm, my question is, there's no expiration date that I can find. Does it go bad, and can I reapply it? 
And, you know, there is no expiration date on Frontline, and um, and that is a truth. So as far as as long as the package was intact, I wouldn't have necessarily a problem in using that. Now, a lot of times after we apply Frontline or even some of the other types of flea control products, we can see some actual exaggerated activity of fleas. And uh, that's generally more af- right after we apply it, it kind of affects their their uh, immune system. It affects their um, uh, neurologic systems. So they can become really hyperactive and just kind of looking wacky. So a lot of people see a lot of flea activity shortly after we treat with frontline or, or comparable products. Um, now, if we have just, we're seeing a lot more fleas in general, then we might need to take some other approaches to um, not just relying on one single product and using more of a kind of a integrated approach to, to fleas. So is, is it more that you're seeing a lot of these in number or just them moving a lot? Um, well, before I applied it, I used the flea comb on each cat, and I found some flea dirt and a flea or two. Mm-hmm. And like I said, I applied it about a week ago, and now there is a ton of flea dirt. One of my cats is starting to lose hair. Uh, down uh, on her back in front of her tail, and uh-huh. there was a there was a whole lot of flea dirt on her. Okay, and, and there are more fleas, and they're alive. <laughs> okay, and I just well, I'm, I I'm just concerned that I don't know. I just didn't know if it went bad or not. And you wanted to know if you could reapply too, right? Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. Because the packet says you can't. You know, wait. Do not reapply for thirty days. Yeah, and that would be accurate. I would not want to reapply that. Now, something we might want to try is maybe more add in an oral flea component. And there's some different ones out there. There's one called Program. Um, generally, it's not the quickest kill, in my opinion, um, but there are definitely some other ones. There's one called Comfortus, and that one, um, actually, a lot of folks report some very quick kill times after that. So that might be something else to add in. And is there some kind of link that... The fleas are more popular right now, and you're seeing more of them. Eh, you, you might just be having some ebb and flow of different flea populations going on right now. So I would just make sure that we tackle this with another route. And flea combs are great to remove those individual fleas, but you'll go nuts if you've got a ton trying to remove each and every one of them. But it certainly can be helpful in just removing some of those adults from the hair coat. Yeah, and it does get the flea dirt, but it's, I mean, I can do it one day and two days later do it again and mm. get the same amount. <laughs> yeah. So I, I would check with check with your veterinarian about what kind of oral flea um, products they have available because every area might be a little different in some of their favorites. And, and I have vet friends in Indiana that will say, oh, gosh, you know, we don't use that product out here. We like a different one. And, you know, what works is great, and, and I won't kind of sneeze at that because everyone has their own favorites in their particular area. But I would definitely look into the oral ones. Mm. You know, Sammy, you said that uh, you haven't had trouble for the last few years, and all of a sudden this year, it does seem like this year has been a big flea year across the country. You know, it's funny you say that, Hal. We have, and and actually in the veterinary community, it is widely reported that because of all the moisture in a lot of areas, we have uh, not just fleas, but ticks and other type of critters, you know, a lot of mosquitoes and risks with heartworm disease. So it is on the rise, definitely. This portion of Animal Radio is underwritten by the grain-free Red Barn Naturals canned food for dogs and cats, always made in the USA with natural, functional ingredients to support your pet's optimal health. Learn more over at RedBarnInc.com. And thanks, Red Barn, for underwriting Animal Radio. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405.
Those big, scary storms can be terrifying for your pet, and we know that when they're stressed, so are you. Take good care of your buddy with VetraScience Composure. VetraScience Composure helps ease anxiety for pets caused by storms, travel, and owner separation. It won't sedate them, and your pets will love the taste. Also, try our Glycoflex for hip and joint health, as well as multivitamins and probiotics. Find VetraScience supplements at your local pet store, Petco, or your vet. Learn more at VetraScience.com. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. The numbers are toll-free, 1-866-405-8405 to reach out to Dr. Debbie. And this portion of Animal Radio is underwritten by VetraScience. As our pets get older, their joints stiffen up and jumping for joy not so easy anymore. Glycoflex hip and joint supplements from VetraScience help support joint health in your pet. Thanks, VetraScience, for underwriting Animal Radio. Hi, Judy. How are you? Doing good. How are you doing today? I'm good. Thank you. How can we help you? I got the great Dr. Debbie right here. Oh, good. I have a quick, I have a two-year-old English bulldog, and she has a red mange, and I've been treating her with the Promaris. It's a chicken flea medicine. Okay. And um, I was wondering if there's any more, any other, like, a natural way without medication for treating her for this. Uh, well, there's definitely the most natural thing for a red mange is actually to do nothing. <laughs> and that sounds horrible. She, red mange. But then she gets all red and then her hair falls off. Okay, so obviously that's not a good solution for you. And I, and I say that's partly jokingly, but red mange, which is actually demodex mites, um, in many cases is, uh, will go away on its own. So in about 30 to 50% of cases, it'll go away on its own. If it doesn't, we really have to address other underlying causes. And it's basically a type of mite that can be passed with heredity. Um, and it also is affected... Yeah, exactly, from her mama. And it's also influenced very much by the pet's own immune system and their own ability to clear that. So for pets that have more generalized problem or more chronic problems, we really have to look at focusing on all those other ways that we can improve their overall immune status. So for female dogs, if she's not already spayed, she needs to be spayed because the hormones no, of... That. You did that already. Super. Yeah, I, did that. I did that a long time ago. Great, good. Now, for some pets, if we're not getting good control with something like Promeris, not everyone has super results with that. And in many cases, we'll use that every two weeks to every month to help treat the demodectic mange. And if that doesn't do it on its own, don't feel bad. In many cases, we'll have to add in other things. Now, in your question to natural remedies, probably not anything simple that's going to treat the mange by itself, but more to kind of support her immune status. So I would really look at other things, whether we need to use something like ivermectin along with the Promeris. Um, for some pets, um, we can try a medication interceptor, which is a different flea tick medicine, um, and that might be of some use. But we also want to look at this immune support. And so sometimes things like probiotics, which can help support the immune health of the gut, that can be very important. And then also making sure we're looking for other disease processes in the body. Uh, we test for thyroid disease. We test the blood for other issues that might be present and then treat those because that will have an effect of improving the immune support of the body and then thereby helping the red mange. So it's kind of kind of more of a cascading effect of all these other things that can influence the pet um, with the red mange. 
And uh, the other thing is that many, many times with um, a lot of different types of mange, they have bacterial infections in the skin. So we have to get them on courses of that to treat the secondary effects of all that. So has has that kind of been your your battle cry of what's been going on here? Well, well, well my thing is, she I give her the Promaris, and I only give it to her probably uh, probably every three to four months. It's okay. not all the, the time. Okay, and that and I would I, say is, and I don't dip her. Okay, every three to four months is definitely not frequent enough to effectively treat the mite. So if that's the purpose, is to treat the mite, you're, you're not getting anywhere close to that. You're treating more for fleas and ticks with that. Well, what so. I noticed is when, when I give it to her, she it's when she barely starts to, to turn the pink, where I could barely start seeing it. So then mm-hmm. as soon as I give it to her, she's fine for another three to four months. So it's like I yeah. can't it coming on, but I didn't want to give it to her so much because, I mean, it just it smells horrible, and I didn't know yeah. if it could cause any damage to her also. Yeah, and, and definitely I understand all of those concerns, and, and we don't like to use products if we don't have to, but yeah. if you're only using a, a partially of what it's just prescribed for, then we're only doing mm-hmm. her part of the good, and this is unusual. Okay. We see this with ear infections and skin conditions in dogs, that if you only do things for a short period of time and don't follow it through as prescribed, you're going to have relapses of, of, um, of problems. And that, I think, is what you're probably dealing with here. So before I'd say you're having a failure of Promeris not controlling this, I'd say we want to make sure you're, you're being diligent on following those um, instructions by your veterinarian, and then perhaps doing these other things, looking at other underlying immune problems, and then uh-huh. maybe adding in a, a secondary medication, such as oral ivermectin, which we can use um, along with that. So um, okay. you might just need to step up the game, and you know, I, I understand you want a natural remedy, but if we're not yeah. getting where we need to, I, I think you really got to take the bull by the horns and, and, and get control of this. So, okay. Well, hers isn't really hers doesn't hers doesn't really get very very severe. That's why I try to keep it under control as soon as I see it. Mm-hmm. So that's why I was just wondering, you know, because I don't let it get to the point where it gets that bad. Yeah, I understand. And, you know, it's okay. kind of your choice. You know, you can go through these cycles of ups and downs, and, and, and that's, mm-hmm. you know, it, in many cases it may clear with time. But uh, if okay. it's not doing that, you really got to step up to the treatment regimen and really tackle this appropriately. That's all I can say. Okay. And, and okay? is this like a permanent that she would have to be on all the time? Well, not typically. Um, there are some dogs that can have some chronic demodex problems, but I'd say they're more a function of us as the humans in not treating it effectively for a long enough duration. So that would be the t- number one uh, reason why I would have a chronic demodex. There are pets that we have chronic problems with, but I always look back at the human end of things and blame us first. Either you know we don't have the right treatment regimen or we're not yeah. staying faithful to what we're supposed to be doing. So um, look inside yourself. one 405 This portion of Animal Radio underwritten by Vetra Science. Give your pets the extra support they need. From Glycoflex joint support to composure for pet stress, Vetra Science has the supplement for all of your pet's needs. And thanks, Vetra Science, for underwriting Animal Radio. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. Hi, friends. This is Dr. Marty Becker, America's veterinarian. After a traumatic experience at the veterinary office, have you ever thought to yourself, there has to be a better way? When your veterinarian is fear-free certified, you'll find your pet's vet visit is safer, more comfortable, and actually enjoyable. 
Your dog will go from shaking in the lobby to pulling you into the exam room with a wagon tail, and your cat will be purring inside the carrier. To find a certified fear-free veterinary near you, go to fearfreepets.com. This is an Animal Radio News Update. I'm Lori Brooks. What the heck is going on in Minnesota, where two different families are searching for their lost pet emus? Really? Yes. <laughs> really? Police in, in this town of Chaska and the surrounding region also say there are two emus on the loose there now. One of them has been out since April and the other since September. Now, even though emus cannot fly because they are big, let's call them huge, and obviously they are not easy to catch, right, or they would be home by now. Uh, they stand over six feet tall and weigh up to 120 pounds. Uh, this big bird who started all of this back in the spring is named Dork. He has uh, been a huge hit on social media with people posting pictures when they spot him around town. You can actually, if you want to know where he is, you wouldn't, you know, the police are not going to be of much help. You just go to his Facebook page because that's where all the latest sightings are. <laughs> you can also buy T-shirts with Dork's picture on it. Now, the other emu, not quite so blessed. He isn't named, and the owners say their emus are more like lawn ornaments for them, but they still want him to come home. Now, by the way, do not try to chase an emu, because even though they're big and, and kind of lumbering looking, I mean, tr- picture a big bird trying to run. These emus can run 30 miles an hour, so really, you're never going to catch it. That's fast. A California couple whose home has been frequented by a family of bears has now captured some video of the moment some bear cubs got inside their home recently for a delicious meal of what do all wild animals seem to love? Pet Cat food. food. Cat food. Yes, <laughs> that's right. But, I mean, they'll, they'll eat bird food, too, if that's all there is, and it's the winter time. But this family of bears has been visiting the home for several weeks now, but this is the first time that the cubs have gotten inside. And here's how, if you're wondering. Apparently, the couple leaves their sliding glass door open about five or six, six inches so that their cats can freely go in and out. And uh, the cubs just managed to kind of squeeze right on through. They used to have a board, and I know I used to do this, where you would put the board down to where they couldn't open the door any more than the five or six inches. They lost the board. The cubs got in, and they've got some great video now. That's great. I'm Lori Brooks. Get more breaking animal news anytime at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at AnimalRadio.com. Animal Radio celebrating the connection with our pets. The toll-free number is 1-866-405-8405. And we'll go back to those phones in just a couple of seconds. Lori, you have a lot of dogs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> have you ever thought of opening a rescue? Um, we actually do have a bulldog rescue. You do? You you uh-huh. I did not know that. So how many you how do? many animals do you have at your rescue? Uh, we just have one bulldog right now. We have two dogs, Tater the Pitbull and Roro, who is one of the rescues from 
uh, on the rebound bulldog rescue in the Maryland, D.C., Virginia area. Oh, okay. So we're talking kind of small. It's just a few dogs right now, right? But who knows? Ten years from now, it could be like, what, 50 dogs that you've rescued? I have no clue. You're kind of... Oh, no. We've rescued hundreds. It's, we've done this for 20 years. But it's... um Yeah, there's a, a lot that goes into rescue. And there's also... I know we're going to talk about the laws and things with uh, starting a rescue. Um, my reason for doing what I do, which is pretty much crafting, and I make uh, collars for rescue dogs, and then I send them off to volunteer shelter photographers. And I do that because rescue, everybody thinks they know what is best for that animal. And when you know you know what's best, like me, um, I'm kidding, but you do. I mean, they become <laughs> like your children, and you're taking, you know, trying to take the best care of them. It, it, it you know, sometimes... Things get mixed up, and there can be some drama, so it becomes really important, and I'm sure we'll talk about that, too, to keep things really just about the dog or the cat. Joining us on Skype is Sandy England. Hi, Sandy. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on today. Now, you're an attorney. Is that correct? Well, yeah. Sometimes I don't want to spread that around. You know, all the attorney (laughs) jokes out there. (laughs) But you're a good attorney, and you're... you're Absolutely. I always tell them when people ask me what kind of attorney I am, that's my response. I'm good. a good attorney. Yeah, good one. <laughs> you also are the founder of a, an organization called Renosi. That's correct. What yes, is that? It, is. it stands for, it's a word mashup that they do these days. Registration for Nonprofit Simplified, R-E-N-O-S-I. But here's a little secret. I, I checked out what it meant. It means Sandy in Italian. Oh, wow. There you go. Ah. So you help nonprofits. You're an attorney and you help nonprofits. Two great things in your corner right now. And you're helping animals, too, and especially people that want to open up rescues. You know, I thought when you open up a rescue, it's pretty basic. You get a dog run in the yard and you make sure you have the food covered. And pretty simple, I would think. But apparently, it's not that simple, is it? (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) Well, look at you know, when you're talking government regulations and the uh, Internal Revenue Service, things can get pretty dicey uh, pretty quickly. So there's a lot of uh, laws we have to follow, a lot actually. Of hoops. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and what I found is, you know, people that are, I've worked with all kinds of folks that set up a wide variety of nonprofit groups. But if you're passionate about your mission, why would you know anything about IRS guidelines? Why would you want to know anything about IRS guidelines? And so, there are quite a few steps from, you know, deciding exactly how you're going to niche your rescue to getting, you know, incorporated and getting tax exempt status. And then all the states went in on it as well. They have fundraising, registration requirements and so forth. I've seen a lot of books come across my desk, but I have not yet seen one like yours. Not only talking about the laws, but how to start up a rescue, how to really go through the 501c3 and the nonprofit status, establishing that status, and the do's and don'ts for raising money. What are some things that you don't want to do to raise money? (laughs) Well, I'm going to start with the do first, okay? Because I think first I want to tell folks before you start raising money, make sure you register with your state. Uh, we didn't used to have this 10 years ago, but now almost every state requires that you you register with the attorney general's office before you ask for dime one. So I'm going to start with the do uh, there. Um, and then the second thing people don't usually get is if they, you want to call something a tax deductible donation, which is great for 501c3 rescues. You know, you set up and you can get tax deductible donations, but a donation is only a donation if it's voluntary. 
And I see it every single day. Uh, now with the holidays, there were some coming up. You see that, you know, there's going to be your tax deductible Christmas tree. And that's really not how it works. If you get something of value for your payment, that's a payment. That's not a tax, tax deductible donation. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah. <laughs> so, so when I'm helping the boosters with their uh, Christmas tree purchase this year, I thought that was a, a donation, but that isn't. Well, no, because if you buy a Christmas tree from the local big box store or from the, you know, the kids booster club, the JCs, whoever, you're getting something of value. Now they can put a value on that Christmas tree, but they, you know, and say it's a $25 tree. And if you, if you want to go out there and get $50, then maybe half of that was a tax deductible donation. And in the animal world, it's it's very similar. You may charge a fee, for example, an adoption fee if you're a if you're a rescue. If you charge a fee and it's required, that's okay. Nonprofits can charge fees for some uh, some services and so forth. But if you want it to be tax deductible, it has to be voluntary, where you will allow that dog to be adopted or that cat, whatever the animal, without a fee if um if that's so desired. So it's a good thing for folks to know when they're setting those fees, they can tell people that the cost of fostering an, an animal and the cost of veterinary services and add it all up and say, you know, that's a $250 we put into this animal. And as long as you're asking for a donation, but not requiring it, that can be tax deductible for the person adopting the animal. That's a really good point because a lot of people balk at, um, suggested donations uh, for adoption, they're like, oh, my God, how can it be $400 to adopt a day? But then when they realize that, you know, the rescue is likely put in uh, at least a couple of times more than that into getting the animal healthy, it's a much better option. It's with lots of nonprofits. It's communication, right? You have to let people yeah. know and show them your budget, show them what it costs. And then people, I think, are a little more willing to to pay what it costs and help you out. You talked a little bit about the uh, taxes and the nonprofit status. What about locally where you live, live, the legal laws? Like, will my neighbor get pissed off that I suddenly have a dozen dogs? <laughs> Right. And, you know, I first say that my my little niche in the in the legal world is is a tiny little section of the Internal Revenue Code and how you set these groups up. But in preparing this group, we did put together a, a lots of resources, including a state by state index. And one of the things folks really need to know before they set up a rescue is, am I allowed to have animals where I live, the zoning regulations? And if so, how many? And here's a little known fact when I was putting together this book. Even if you currently can have, let's say, six animals on your property, if the zoning laws change, you can be forced to have to either move or to close your rescue. So knowing those, you know, local zoning laws and even nuisance laws um, are critically important. We are with Sandy England. She's an attorney. She's an author. She's a nonprofit advocate, and she's telling us how to get our rescue started. We're going to take a quick break. As soon as we come back, I'm going to find out a little more about what her book is about and some of the quick steps you need to do to get your rescue off the ground. Stick around. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. 
In today's automotive news, the list of Japanese cars that are made in the USA is growing. Acura makes a long list of cars in America, including the NSX supercar that is made in Marysville Auto Plant, Marysville, Ohio. And Honda make the all-new Accord in the same factory. Toyota manufacture the world's best-selling car in Georgetown, Kentucky, the Camry. And some of their bigger vehicles, like the Sienna and Sequoia, are made in Indiana. Subaru also have plants in Indiana, and Nissan make cars in Tennessee and Mississippi. For more, go to OurAutoExpert.com. I'm Nick Miles. Whether your kids are still in car seats or high school, Chrysler offers an entire lineup of family-friendly vehicles designed to make your life easier. And now, take advantage of great deals at your local Chrysler dealer. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you miss any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Is Animal Radio celebrating the connection with our pets. And many of you, looking down at your radio right now, many of you, yes, you have a rescue or you rescue animals. Or you want to start a rescue. All of these, uh, all acceptable. I know that I would start a rescue, but I it would only be by accident. It would be like I took in a couple of animals that I would foster, and then all of a sudden I'm a foster failure, and then... I try to adopt them out, but then I don't want to adopt them out. I could easily see having, having a dozen animals that I call rescue. But you do have to go through some laws to make your rescue legal. If you're collecting donations, you have to uh, make sure you have your nonprofit status. Brand new book out called Rescue Me, and the author Sandra England, and she's joining us right now. In your book, you have five quick steps to get your rescue off the ground. Can you tell us what one of those steps might be? Well, you know, I start out with a step you might not think of that's not really legal, but that's pick your niche. Uh, there are more and more rescues like uh, anything and also more and more animals out there. I guess 70%, I think, now of, of U.S. households have an animal. But I advise folks to really think about your niche and think about don't just open another, say, cat rescue, but perhaps open a cat fostering organization for women going through breast cancer treatment. And the reason I suggest that is because you need to get supporters. It's not the easiest thing in the world to to get support and you're competing with other rescues and just really other interests altogether. And if you niche it like that, you're going to be the go-to for folks that are dealing with that particular issue. So I think that that's a critically important step. And as I mentioned there, it sort of is also tied with planning your budget, Uh Build it, and and they will come. Maybe the case, but a little planning goes a long ways. I think that's an awesome idea about a niche, about finding yeah. some kind of a group and sticking with that to get the, you know, support. That's that's a great thing. I would never have thought of because there's, there's more than one kind. Sometimes I think people think of rescues, and they're just the ones that take in uh, animals. And there are those. I mean, the the latest I've seen is uh, chicken rescues. You know, more and more folks think they're going to have their backyard chicken farms, and then decide that it may not be for them to collect those eggs and to to muck the pen every every week and i read recently that there was a, a chicken rescue had to both move and make sure its address wasn't out there in the public because there were so many people dropping their chickens off um, <laughs> at, at the rescue do uh, most rescues make it or do you see a lot of them just they, they try and then they go belly up i think it's not just rescues yes a lot of organizations go belly up and i read an interesting article recently that it's okay 
if you start something and it goes belly, belly up, that in fact, churning of businesses in our country, um, and this is a business, it's just a nonprofit, actually is what leads to growth of our economy more than anything else. So certainly there are groups that go belly up, and that's why my company, Renosi, not only gets these organizations started, but we help them with all of the annual filings, the annual IRS tax return and the corporate returns and so forth every year. But I think the bigger question is it's 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 helpful and it's a great thing to start one, even if everybody doesn't succeed. Absolutely. Okay, key question, Sandy. Yes. So you're the attorney who helps set up the nonprofits, and I assume that, that this is going to make it a lot easier because you will have all of the information and you can really guide people through the process. About what does that cost? What What is your fee? What is our fee? Well, the book tells you how to do it yourself. So if you want to do it yourself, you only have to pay the fees to incorporate, which is about – Depends on the state, but let's say $100 plus or minus, depending on your state. Um, and then the fee to file with the IRS, if you're a small rescue and you don't expect to have gross receipts over 50000 a year, which is most new rescues don't expect to have more than 50000 when they start up, there's an IRS filing fee of 250 So, But on top of that, um, Renosi charges a fairly low rate. I believe it's 995 for a complete startup and uh, inclusive of, of their fees and, and getting everything started. What's the real bargain is our, our annual renewal package, two ninety five, and we make sure that your tax return is filed and your corporate report is filed and your your uh your fundraising registration is filed. And that's the that's the the key out there. Last year the IRS approved eighty thousand new organizations as tax exempt. And they went around and they revoked 50,000 others because they didn't file their tax return. So getting started is only, you know, a tiny bit of the battle. And and that's, I think, our little niche out there, so to speak, is that we're helping these groups stay in compliance year after year. You're doing all the work that I hate to do. Absolutely. (laughs) I have uh, 10 copies of the book. It's called Rescue Me, Your Step-by-Step Guide to Starting an Animal Rescue. And if you'd like to pick up on it right now, toll free at one eight six six four zero five eight four zero five. The book has this uh, passphrase or code inside. Explain what that is about. Well, the passphrase inside uh, leads to our website. There's an author website. It's my my name, sandrafowlengland.com, and that's in the book as well. And on our website, we have all kinds of templates, fostering agreements and adoption agreements and partnership agreements if your rescue is going to partner with another animal welfare organization. Uh, the step-by-step animal laws, you name it, there are just lots and lots of resources that are more helpful if you can download them from, from the Internet. So the passcode in the book just links right up to our website so that you can take real advantage of all of those templates and resources that I've provided in the book. And if you can't get through today to pick up a copy of the book, head on over to Amazon or your local bookstore and ask for it. Rescue Me, Sandra England joining us. Thank you so much for spending time with us today. Well, thanks so much for having me on. Well, it's time for us to go. I encourage you to have a safe and wonderful Thanksgiving weekend. Be thankful for those animals. I know I'll be thankful for all the animals in my life. And we'll see you next week for more Animal Radio right here. If you need your fix during the week, head on over to AnimalRadio.pet or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone, Android, and BlackBerry. That was a good one. I know, huh? This is Animal Radio Network.